0: Today, we're continuing our series on SEO. We're going to talk about a few controversial topics. We're going to cover off how to go from my site is optimized to now I need to increase rankings through other means. And we're also going to talk about going the extra mile for your customers. Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. The Winning with Shopify podcast is powered by Spec, who is the sponsor for this series. We will be teaching you how to get the most out of Google through SEO and PPC through this series. Get ready to take notes. Now, over to the studio. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning Shopify Podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, welcome to the podcast. A pleasure to have you with us. And today's probably not the best episode to start with, and I'll explain why in a second. For anyone who's tuning in for the second week in a row or you've tuned in before, welcome back. It's great to have you tuning in. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, leave us a little review on whatever podcasting platform or video platform you are watching or listening to this on. Today, we're continuing our series on SEO. And if anyone wants to get some support and free help with SEO, make sure you go on the winningwithshopify.com website or the spec.digital website, fill out any of the forms and just say, I would like a free health check, please, and a link to your Shopify store. We're going to do some free health checks as a result of watching either last week's episode or this week's episode, which leads me nicely to what I was saying about today not being the best episode to tune into unless you're already quite advanced with your SEO. If you think you haven't got the basics in place or you've got them but think they could be better, check out last week where I spoke to my colleague Emily and we were talking about getting the foundational SEO elements in place. If you've got any questions at all about Shopify or anything else, go on the weddingwithshopify.com site, send your questions in, we'll try and respond to them. And if there's a relevant topic or episode coming up, we'll also shout you out on the episode as well. I think that's everything to cover today. We're going to dive into today's episode. So today we're going to talk about upping your SEO game. So you've done a lot of the basics. We're going to talk about a few controversial topics. We're going to cover off how to go from my site is optimized to now I need to increase rankings through other means. And we're also going to talk about going the extra mile for your customers as well. Joining me is my lovely Rob. So without further ado, Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. It's a
0: pleasure to have you with us. Second
1: time round, I think. I've actually been on a Mm. a podcast before. Didn't we talk about there was a list top five things you could do for SEO. It was probably a couple of years ago. Now. It was
0: a good couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I've been hosting now for three years. For anyone that's uh, wondering where Caroline's gone, uh, it's <laughs> been three years since Caroline last year. But yeah, we were indeed. We were talking about top top things you should do with your marketing. Yeah, so, uh, it was, so welcome it was back. Good
1: fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, happy to be back.
0: Thank you. Nice, nice. And for anyone listening, going, who on earth is this Rob chap that's sitting in front of me? Rob, give us a bit of background to yourself and tell us about your role here at Spec.
1: Yeah. So a quick bit about me. I'm a senior SEO consultant here at Spec. I've been working in SEO for four and a half years previously before that i was doing marketing in the music industry so i was working with studios, artists, bands, event companies and things like that, sort of doing marketing and digital marketing in a more old school way. And then when I found Nick and started working at Spec, sort of leveled that more into SEO specifically and sort of made, made that become my focus. And since then, it's all been win-win and uh, sunny been?
0: days. Yeah, Rob's actually been with us for about five years now. So well set into the, the Spec way of doing things. Mm. Um, so yeah, super excited to talk today. But Let's start off with quite a broad question, then, Rob. So, if anyone's watched last week, they've done all their title tags, mm-hmm. meta descriptions, the sitemaps, and a few other slightly more advanced bits. What's the sort of thing they should be looking at now? Now they've kind of done a lot of the auditing, box ticks, and a few other bits.
1: Cool. So, I think just touching on the basics. Mm. Obviously, you're looking at content, technical, and off-site. Those are the three main areas of SEO. So, if you believe that you have sort of covered off a lot of those, those foundations. We're going to go back through. We're going to head back to content, and we're going to start looking at sort of what is the next step. What is the a big thing that we couldn't touch on before because we weren't quite ready for it. So, as they always say, content is king, and that is the area that you're going to be able to really drive that relevance between what a user is searching for and what you are providing on your website. Obviously, when you start connecting those dots and making your website as relevant as it possibly can be, and providing useful content to your audience, that's when Google or whichever your chosen search platform is is going to join those dots and they're going to start, you know, ranking you higher for your target keywords. Mm. So let's start with target keywords. So we may have started with our really sort of bottom of the funnel focus keywords. I think one of the ones that Em spoke about last week on her podcast was shoes, you know, where we're selling shoes and we're going to try and get sort of as close to, you know, something that's quite niche. We're going to go with black leather shoes, for Mm. example, and that's going to be our target keywords. We've done all of that. Now we're looking at how else we can get that target audience to the website, they're still looking for black shoes, black leather shoes. Perhaps they're not quite at that buying journey yet. They're not sort of buy ready. So at this point they might be researching shoes. They might be sort of asking some questions, you know, how would I clean a black leather shoe or something like that? So that's what we're gonna look at for our next step. We're gonna, we've got our sort of our bottom of the funnel keywords, and we're now gonna look at that sort of middle of the funnel. They're not quite ready to buy, but we're still, we still want them to know about us and get them into the website. So to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to start looking at blog posts and things like that or FAQs to really target. If if a customer is asking a question, you know, does a leather shoe shrink in the rain? If you have a blog article that talks about, you know, treating leather shoes and avoiding them from shrinking or you have that in your FAQs on the page. Google or your search platform is going to see that you have content using those keywords and it's going to start ranking you. So when your customer types that into a search engine, your web page is going to start to appear for it. Now, the more content you have around your target area, so let's say black leather shoes, if we have blog posts and we have FAQs and we might have a video showing how we you know, make the shoe or how we size them and things like that. These all boost your relevance to that target keyword, which initially was black leather shoe. And the term that we use for this is semantic keywords. Mm. And that's basically things that are similar. And Google's very clever now that it can sort of join the dots to say like, okay, well, we're talking about black leather. Cool. We're talking about how to, how should I, what can I, you know, FAQ type starter keywords. Google's going to see that and say like, this is the best website that I can send a user to who is looking for anything to do with black leather shoes. And that's sort of a a way to sort of start building out that additional content.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke about this last week as well Google wants to find you guys almost being like a, a almost like monopolizing it and going, you've got any questions about black leather shoes? We've got the answer. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've written down that I think is a really important part of this as well, and this is in terms of, and we'll come a bit more into this in a minute, about kind of creativity of what to talk about, like mm-hmm. how to find these things that the customers actually care. But one of the things I think that's really useful actually is product features. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you said about black leather shoes, it might be that people need like a wide fit. Mm-hmm. So actually writing a couple of blog posts about wide fit black leather shoes, well, suddenly you're, you use the word niche already, or is, is some of the guys in the U.S. say niche. Is one niche, of the words yeah. <laughs> running the podcast. But yeah, certainly with that, if, if people then are looking for like a wider shoe mm-hmm. or a thinner shoe, if you've got some that are wider, some that are thinner, and actually tagging your products, putting a bit of content on the products and then writing blog posts about them, mm. it's that kind of semantic information that's uh, really useful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think if anyone has ever done any customer research into who their actual customer base is, you will find that the the percentages of sort of what they are looking for is split into small chunks. So you won't find, you sort of got the the people that are looking for black leather shoe. Yeah, that's sort of 80% of our searches. When you start becoming more niche, that's when it starts coming down to sort of like 5% of our users or, or 10%. Mm. Now that is still quite a large customer base and they're all ready to spend money. So the more you can Get them to relate to the content that you're looking for. And Nick, you're absolutely right. Mm. You know, they might have sort of one foot bigger than the other. They might prefer (laughs) Velcro over shoelaces and things like that. Mm. But if you're not talking about this on your website, they're not going to find you. You need to have that content relevant and ready to read. And as you said, like sort of covering all bases and all linked together from your sort of your core pages. That's how you're going to get these users to the website with their search terms, and then obviously linking to your products, we want to create that journey so that once they read that content, they can then go and find the relevant product that you're selling to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I I spoke with Emily last week as well about the the collection pages on Shopify are obviously some of the biggest welcome entrance areas Mm. to the website. So you're looking for black leather shoes. You probably don't want to land on an individual product. You also don't want to land on the homepage unless that's the only thing that business did. yeah. So you want to land on the collection and we were talking about actually adding more information to that collection and mm. obviously what you're saying is actually going from the collection going, all right, you're looking for black leather shoes, here are a load, mm-hmm. but almost having like a button saying go and check out our information area and give it a fancy name like our, go and check out our buying guides or something.
1: Absolutely. Go and yeah. check those
0: out but then also make sure the blog posts and buying guides link back to the collection to, to bolster up that as the main, main landing page.
1: Yeah, and I guess if you've got all of this content that you're building onto the website, you don't know which door into the website the user's going to come through. So based on whatever search term they've used, it may be that they land directly on the buying guide. Great. You know, we've written some great content. It's Mm -hmm. ranked and a user has landed on it. We don't want them to just read that guide and then go and buy it from a competitor. We want to continue that journey and make sure that they're still buying from us. Similarly, if they've landed on the collection page and they're looking at our, our offering of shoes we want to make sure that if they're not buy ready yet they were actually researching that we offer that to them that they can continue their journey on for what they're looking for and creating that sort of perfect circle of wherever they land on the website they can find the next step and they can still make it back to a purchase
0: Mm -hmm. so let's use that example then so they've they've landed on a buying guide Mm -hmm. So they might have searched something like shoe buying guide or how to buy the right shoe or something. They've landed on that buying guide. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges we certainly see clients have a lot is they'll get loads of traffic to a random page. Mm. And this is not random. We've optimized it. But it will be like one will do really well and the others will do okay in terms of traffic from Google. So let's say they're all landing on this buying guide. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things is to get someone to land on that buying guide and then purchase a product Mm. because they're just looking for the information which also means we don't know kind of what price range they're looking at, what kind of customer they're going to be, what sort of delivery. They might be looking for next day delivery and we don't offer it. Mm-hmm. We don't know any of, any of that yet. But what are some of the things we can do on that buying guide to not sort of distract them away from the buying guide content and just smother it with adverts? Mm-hmm. But how do we get them to go from that buying guide to buying a product as well? I
1: think when you're looking at the landing page, I sort of have a bit of a structure in my mind always of sort of almost like a template. So Mm -hmm. when I'm working on a buying guide or a blog post or something like that, we want to, at the beginning, offer the purpose of the blog. So we want to talk about all the buying guide, talk about what they're here to find. After they've read through that, we want to start looking at our calls to action. Mm -hmm. So are we going to just start driving the sales factor on them come and buy these products now you know you've read through this blog post these are the next best products or are we going to try and continue that on with because you've now read this why not come and have a look at this and we it's almost that sales process of you know if anyone in here listening to us today is trained in sales you know that you need to kind of keep asking those questions to the consumer Mm -hmm. to try and find out what they need so that you can make that sale so the difficulty we have is we don't have the customer sat in front of us Mm. we have to do that through buttons and through text and through calls to action and sort of eye-catching things so once they've read through our blog we need to think about what might that next step be so they've read through this okay they're not quite satisfied that they've got all the information that they need. So perhaps we might offer them the next step in that buying guide. Perhaps we've, we've looked at sizing and the next thing is picking the right colour. Perhaps we've got a sort of a new season that we've just released and we want to sort of offer them, why not come and have a look at our new seasons? These have actually got their own buying guides to them as well and you might learn more information than what you were mm. originally asking for. But then I will always have that purchase available. So mm. if I've spoken about a leather shoe, for example, Come and have a look at our range of leather shoes. And that'll probably sort of sit towards probably between the the, the actual buying guide or, or the sort of the blog and the sort of the the more information like related articles and things like that. Because it is still our key mm-hmm. call to action. That is sort of the top priority is getting some money in your pocket. Yep. So as you said, we don't want to sort of cram it with adverts and banners and things like that. We do want to make it a very organic journey as they're reading through it because we're we're offering it to them. But a well thought out offering can push them in the right direction yeah. without them really feeling like they're
0: being pushed. Mm. And I think one of the key things, especially with something like a buying guide or a we mentioned FAQs already or a blog post that is a and it is an FAQ in itself. Mm. With those as well, we, we've got to get that brand message across, haven't we? If you're just functional going, this is a shoe, this is how it works, this is yeah. what it does, they get to the end and kind of go, I've learned something, but so what? Mm-hmm. Goodbye. And they click off, you've had a bounce. You might have had a two-minute page session but you still had a bounce it bounced back to google so we've got to keep that brand message strong haven't we to then Mm. say well this is how we've therefore developed our shoes versus other people's shoes because we looked and thought actually you know like one of our guests we had on a while ago portland leather goods is their name they were saying actually leather is a byproduct of the meat industry Mm. and a lot of it's just wasted Mm -hmm. so they specifically buy their leather from the meat industry because it's wasted and make products Which i thought was quite an interesting way of doing things actually which becomes part of the story
1: absolutely it's a great usp and i think when you are writing out this content as you said like thinking about the brand constantly what are our usps what separates us from our competitors what is going to stop a customer from reading that content and then going oh actually i've seen this product down the road at someone else i'm going to go and buy it from them by Mm. driving that usp we can try and convince a customer that we are the best brand to buy from so something like that sort of the sustainability and things like that you know it's really it's a a key thought in people's minds at the moment in their Mm -hmm. purchase journey sort of okay well what are the other benefits for me purchasing from this place and that's not just customer benefits that could be you know global benefits like sustainability it can be things like money off you know percentages and Mm -hmm. things like that or that sort of aftercare side of things with a consumer they do value that kind of thing so if you are offering you know we provide you with a sort of a a bespoke post-purchase email Mm. you know i don't i don't recommend that to everybody but if you are sort of a smaller business starting out that could be a great way to build trust with your consumers Mm. by offering that you know we we send out an email to say like i hope you know it fit you well i hope you're really enjoying your new shoes if there's anything else we can help with please let us know this is our latest sort of style guide for this season that kind of thing resonates with customers and that will have them coming back time after time
0: yeah nice nice and really big question then how do you come up with the, first of all, like the topic of things? Mm -hmm. Secondly, is it a buying guide, an FAQ, a blog, a video series, a podcast? How do you go about that?
1: Great question. I think I wouldn't ever shy away from looking at competitors. Mm -hmm. There is always going to be someone that is a little bit better than you. They're going to be a couple of steps ahead. Be honest with yourself about who your competitors are, We've worked with some clients in the past that have sort of, we've, we've requested a list of their competitors and they come back with leading global brands. And these, <laughs> these guys, you know, by all means, they are still like strong sort of mid-sized businesses and yeah. they're doing and they, very well. They appear
0: against them on Google as well, which you can't ignore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: But in terms of size and in terms of audience and how well their brand is known, they weren't quite there yet. So we'll always try and be honest with that. Okay, well, we have found some competitors that we think, mm. based on the size of your website and perhaps your domain authority, and things like that, that we believe are a closer fit to you as a competitor. And once we have that list, we'll go and actually look at what they're doing on their sites. Because if they are slightly better than us, if they are ranking slightly higher and things like that. They're obviously doing something slightly better than we are. So we'll go and have a look and we'll try and analyze bits that we like. And it's just a scribble on a bit of paper. You know, we really like that they do this with that. or this is a really good idea. And then we'll try and utilize that in our strategy. So that's one way It's absolutely have a look at what other people are doing. There are some great resources like Google Trends and obviously, you know, keyword tools and things like that that will show you similar keywords to what people are searching for I think Neil Patel purchased that answer the public website which sort of the price it, has
0: gone up since he did that as well I think <laughs> yeah
1: there, there is I think you can get a free version where you get sort of two answers but you can't export mm. them but you can copy and paste if, if anyone's sort of uh, interested to look at that <laughs> but yeah with with that you type in a topic and it gives you sort of like loads of FAQs that people are searching mm. for and things like that so that's a good starting point for looking at additional content and what you can write about. And yeah, I think that's basically it, sort of researching competitors, using some tools that are out there. And just, you know, even out in the real sort of bricks and mortar shops, when you walk into a shop how do they approach you? What are the things that, you know, strike up a, 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 a conversation with the owner of the shop and see what, what what happens? Because this is where all of e-commerce has stemmed from. It's it stemmed from bricks and mortar shops and we're trying to replicate that in a far less intimate way. Mm. We're sort of doing it through a screen. So see what you can pick up, go into some competitor shops and, and sort of have a conversation with them and see what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the new, uh, sorry, I'm in the market for a new car at the moment mm. and every showroom I walk into, you get about five sales guys, literally just swarming towards you <laughs> yeah. oh what model do you want you're all smartening their ties that kind of thing yeah which is not the approach to take online but i think you're absolutely right if you walk into a shop someone will say what sort of item are you looking for are they're all over here is there a particular color brand or you're just having a browse cool well look yeah let me know if you need anything else mm. Whereas on a website, that let me know if you need anything. It's an email, phone call. Some sites do have chat Some now. Some chatbot, yeah. Um, but the chatbot's going to ask you 20 questions before it puts you through to a human. So, that, yeah, there's a whole world of things. But I think the the only two things I would add to your list, I think, which is a very good list, I think certainly I start with competitors. Mm-hmm. But the two things I'd add, one is looking at site search. Mm-hmm. So what are people actually searching on your website right now yeah. in, in your own search bar? So they're on the site already and they go, oh, I want to find this and see what they're looking for. The second thing I would do is talk to customer service mm-hmm. and find out what customer service you. you could even take that further and set up some focus groups, you can send out a survey to your customers. Mm. A good thing I do quite a lot is think, what do I want to know? And then I work out what question do I need to ask customers to find out that the answer to yeah. that question. So yeah. if I want to know what people struggle with the product, like there you have our product... It doesn't do some things as well as we think it does, mm-hmm. or we've tested it to do, or actually they don't know it does those things. The question I might ask customers in the customer feedback survey is going to be, "What do you use it for?" Mm. or "What's the longest period of time you use this product for?" and "What were you doing?" Yeah, which again is quite interesting. So it might be like a jet wash, for example, mm-hmm. and you and some people might say, "Oh, I just use it for my car," and it's like, "Right, let's change our marketing." Yeah, it's now a car wash, not a you know a car jet wash specifically, and we'll write content about cars and which cars it's good for and how quickly you should use. It. It if a bird leaves a little surprise <laughs> for you in the car those kind of things yeah whereas if everybody says actually i use it for my patio and cleaning, you know, around my garden and stuff like that and mm-hmm. any kind of hard surfaces around the house. Mm. Well, again, it changes the use case. It changes the imagery you're going to use, the the post you're going to write. And you might find actually you've got four different types of customer for the same product. Yeah. Well, actually, you might want to just rebrand the product four different ways and say it's good for this and it comes with slightly different attachments than if you use it for this, use it for this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost the most obvious one, isn't it? Ask your customers. And I mm. think doing something like a survey or, you know, sending out a batch email to some of your, you know, top clients or customers, that's the best way. But thinking about your questions, as you said, to sort of get the answers that you want and sort of wording it in a, in a sort of a, a clever, well thought out way mm. that you're not so being so black and white with it. You're sort of dancing around the point to sort of get yeah. the answer that you want.
0: The other one that we're using more and more, but still not a lot, is ChatGPT <laughs> and asking that, you know, like, OK, I need to write some blog posts about this. Give me a hundred different titles of blog posts. Yeah. And it just pumps out a list. I find that a lot of them are very generic and it's just copying other people, which Mm -hmm. like you were saying earlier, you want to almost learn from the competitor, not copy. They're doing this. How do we do something similar and better? And actually, can we quantify is it working? Yeah. Whereas there'll be that one or two in there that you're like, do you know what? It's uh, insuring a car. I hadn't thought actually about whether I would need to claim on my insurance because of my dog. Mm -hmm. You know, does that like, do I need to claim the smell as the dog bit in one of the seats? Like all this kind of stuff and that creates quite interesting blog posts and mm. you're still talking about your keywords car insurance
1: yeah i think the interesting thing with ai and and do tread carefully it is great for ideas but at the moment it is still in learning and some of the early versions of ai before chat gpt mm. came out you could see where they were sort of copying the ideas from when you request sort of a list of blog ideas you could almost see where they had copied it from and in some sort of lesser you know poorer cases they'd actually included the brand that they'd copied it from so they were actually trawling through the internet mm. and scraping similar information based on the request that you'd put in so do tread carefully but as nick said it does come with some really good ideas it just still requires that human thought as well so it's great as a starting point that sort of to kickstart the ideas but don't just sort of run with it
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely and i think i mean you mentioned seo tools already google trends google keyword planner check how many people actually type in that question that mm. thing you know how many people are actually looking for a how to measure my feet at home to buy the right pair of shoes mm. yeah see how many people are doing that and also how many people are already doing a good job of it what you what's re- I would say really gold dust in SEO or the, the diamond in the rough if you like is when you find that blog post that only one or two companies have spoken about it's yeah. not great it's on a bit of an old website and actually they don't even have the product that's the solution anymore we tick all those boxes and it's like right that's that's absolutely golden let's mm-hmm. write about it
1: yeah I think the term for- that I did hear someone saying before it was skyscraping. When okay. you sort of look at who's already in the sort of the top three positions, mm. find somebody that's outdated and basically refresh it. You know, essentially, you're just taking what they've done and and putting a new swing on it, putting your swing on Mm. it, adding your own USPs and your own tone of voice and things like that. But essentially, you're you're refreshing it and bringing out new content that sort of covers what they were trying to cover, but in a more updated way. And you will find you get some good results out of that because Google is looking for new, fresh content.
0: Nice, yeah, yeah. So we create all this content on the site, we link it back to products and collections, ideally collections, because as Emily was saying last week, products they they churn, they disappear quickly, and the last thing you want is a broken link Mm -hmm. and some. the seo tools that emily and i were talking about last week as well they they will help you find those broken links so they're good to have and it's quick enough to find a blog post and three years ago change the link absolutely yeah but the question really is what what do we do next like how how can we start looking outside of the website now we've got all of this content to be shared
1: yeah so i mean as we said at the beginning off-site is a big part of seo so i think that's always an area that tends to get neglected some of you may be fortunate enough to have a pr team but not everybody does so looking at other areas, and by offsite, what we mean is away from our own website. So we're currently we're talking about outbound marketing. You know, we're we're currently creating stuff to try and reach out to get people to come in. When we start looking at inbound, we're trying to place things off on other websites such as socials, you know, that, that's a prime example by posting a link on Facebook or mm. LinkedIn or Instagram, we are creating a link back into the website. So when we start looking at offsite, we want to start looking at where our customer bases hang out. And as I mentioned, sort of, if anyone has done sort of customer research, proper customer research as to where they do hang around, if they're not on your website, what are they doing? Are they on, you know, food websites? Are they on clothing websites? Because that will help you think about what content you can create to help drive them into your website. And some of the areas that we can target, we can look at bloggers, we can you know, There are lots of tools that will scrape the internet for bloggers of a certain topic. Mm. You could look at forums. That's another great place. There are your classics like Google My Business. It's great for local SEO and it is sort of off site. Also if you're into sort of creating videos or anything like that, then you can reach out to influencers. Obviously, Instagram is heavily looking onto to video production now and things like TikTok. And it can be a great way to drive traffic from other platforms that may not have even mm-hmm. found your brand yet before. I did see a great one the other day on TikTok where they had, it was a clothing brand. And they were out in a, in a high street. I think this particular one was in Barcelona. Obviously, you don't have to stretch as far as Barcelona. You can go to your local high street. But they were stopping people that looked like their correct demographic. So I think these this was sort of like a youngish brand. And they were looking for people that were sort of in the ages of sort of 18 to sort of late 20s, I would have thought. And they were stopping them. And they were videoing it and sort of asking, you know, are you happy to be on video? And then just asking them some questions about their consumer habits, their shopping yeah. habits and things like that. And then at the end of it, they were they had a rack of their T-shirts out and the the person that they were interviewing was able to pick a t-shirt that they liked and then they wore it and it was all it was all great now i thought this was great one it was great brand awareness two it showed that the brand actually cared about their customer that they were asking questions about things that they look for and of course this is generating a link back to their website because there was a shop now button this was on tiktok so i could i could shop and anywhere else that you're going to place that you're going to drive them to that collection or to that specific product so that's
0: another great way to sort of look at off-site yeah, nice, nice. One thing that we've had quite a few guests on, specifically from merchants, so Shopify store owners, they talk so much about building a community mm. around what they're doing. And one of the challenges I've always thought quite a few of them have with that is a lot of those communities are, are closed as far as SEO is concerned. Google can't actually see it. Mm. So it's locked within like a private Facebook group or it's a, a Zoom webinar they do once a month and everybody yeah. customers come along, etc. But actually, if they would start a community on something like YouTube which some brands do really well with. Yeah. So they produce video content, they'll create a, a buying guide or blog post or some some sort of content written down to go on the site with the video embedded as well. Yeah. You start to almost have this outlet of content mm. and sometimes even the driest topics I'll give you a really good example of this one that was one of the earliest viral things on YouTube was people don't really care about blenders right and then <laughs> along came Will It Blend and they chuck like iPhones and oh, stuff in that. them and yeah. a, a, an entire broom was absolutely amazing and now it's like blendtech are one of the best known brands in the which I might have hmm. said it wrong <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah. they were one of the best known brands in the world at that point yeah. um, their marketing team were literally one of the reasons that I got so fascinated by it. They were at SEO conferences talking about how they've gone so viral on YouTube before Google even owned YouTube yeah, and how it was all linked back to the site and just their their product sales were through the roof. Mm. But not once did they buy a billboard, a TV slot, you know, for adverts or anything. It was all just organically done online through YouTube. They didn't pay for any advertising.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great use of sort of viral marketing and obviously that doesn't come easy to, to most mm. brands but by the sounds of it these guys used the tools that they had available to okay. them and created something that they would enjoy you know that's something that they found enjoyment in and they, they knew that their potential consumer base i mean mm. i guess that was sort of bloggers so they're, they're reaching out to people just looking for videos but you can do the same thing if you're sort of in the in the clothing industry what sort of things would you like to know about i mean you obviously have an interest in that industry because you wouldn't have gone into it otherwise so start thinking about some of the things that you watch potentially when you're at home or you know the things that you look for when you're searching online or on youtube and start trying to create content yourself there it's so easy to create content nowadays everybody's got a phone in their pocket everybody's got a high quality video there's even sort of apps that will edit it for you now as well so really there's no excuse i think one of the biggest things that almost scares brands into starting that is that when you do start out, you are only getting sort of two, three views. Yeah, You're yeah. not getting any comments. you think, oh, this is a waste of time. You do have to start somewhere. And most bloggers will say, yes, when I first started out, mm-hmm. I was getting no traffic. I was getting no clicks, no comments. And then suddenly it just took off. I found oh, yeah. that one video that I launched that just resonated. And suddenly, you know, not essentially going viral, but it just, it hit. They suddenly decided to get hundreds of thousands of views. They were getting clicks through to the website, whatever their CTA was. And mm. that is exactly how it goes. It's just persistence. And one day you will find that golden nugget <laughs> that just that's the one that triggers it. Yeah,
0: yeah. you just reminded me actually from a conference I went to a few months ago. Mm. They had their, their head of marketing for AO, which in the US, I don't know if you have AO or not, but they're basically a white goods company. You can buy everything from laptops to washing machines to all sorts through these guys. And she was talking about the first Facebook Live they ever did. Oh, yeah. And they did this Facebook Live. They got hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions of followers in the UK on Facebook. And they launched this Facebook Live and a hundred people turned up. And one of the senior directors was texting her Whilst this was going on, it hadn't... It was only like a 20-minute thing. It hadn't even finished going, just turn the camera off. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) No one's watching this thing. To which she just turned the phone off and thought, no, we've put energy into this. Somebody internally is owning this. We're going to see where this leads. Mm. And then 100 people watch it. And then... Okay, a week later, they were like, right, time for the next one. And they looked back at last week to get some inspiration. How do we make more? hundred and one watch this one. Just we got some incremental increase. They went back and realized a thousand people had now watched it. Mm. So they watched it after it was live. Yeah. And that was quite a significant switch, but still a thousand is not great. By the time they did their 10th one, they had like half a million people tuning in. Yeah. All over the world, watching what they were talking about. And all they were talking about was little things like, we're going to do a live demonstration of how to install a washing machine in your house. Lovely. super simple yeah. and you can ask questions and we've got different connectors we've got a plumber on site and it'll be live faqs going on mm. and by the time yeah but they had a, they had half a million people tuning in live to watch someone install a washing. i mean it, but they made it fun and that's one of the things i've written down that i think is so important to this is we mentioned it last time as well about trying to make your shopify store more than a marketplace yeah you've got to bring it to life it's got to have that personality
1: yeah absolutely i think Many of you listening today or watching today, your target audience is probably shifting. And as will any, you know, as a company, you do have to grow and you do have to adapt to your your target audience because, you know, generations grow up and those generations are looking at different things mm. that you know encourage them to purchase so when we're looking at sort of i believe the the latest generation is gen alpha i think which are sort of the <laughs> the nippers sort of coming up the things that they're going to be looking for they are the youtube era they've sort of brought up sort of watching this fast entertainment it's sort of quick and mm. entertaining at all times so that is sort of something that you need to bear in mind that you know if you're if you're looking to target somewhere like tiktok or youtube that you have to start sort of bringing some of these things in. Obviously, that's only if that is your demographic, if you are sort of targeting a sort of a younger audience. But even the younger audiences now are going to grow up and they are going to have those similarities and the things that they're interested in. Mm. Also with that, you've got this experiential sort of, I think they t- they call it experiential e-commerce, where you're trying to, you don't have that shop for somebody to walk into and to sort of get that feel of of who you are as a brand or who you are as a person, perhaps. So what we're trying to get across on the website is everything that means something to us as a brand. And I think when you're doing your marketing, yes, trying to have fun with it is an absolute key way to get people engaged with what you're doing. Obviously, if you're more of a luxury brand, then you're going to have to go down more of a serious route potentially, but you can still have fun with it. Try and do something that is engageable. It's something that somebody wants to watch and they want to learn more about because that's going to then drive them through that journey of coming to the website. And yeah, out definitely,
0: there. definitely. I think in terms of that engagement as well. Some of you guys listening right now will be thinking like, okay, sorry guys, I just need the top tips on how to get to number one on SEO. Bringing this back to SEO though, this mm. is this is exactly what Google's looking for. They're looking for personality. Google want a safe pair of hands to send traffic to. Mm-hmm. And that's never changed. It's always been their ethos. It's the most relevant thing at number one. So to give an example of an old client of ours called Cladding Warehouse. So if you're listening, guys, hey, I hope you're well. But we worked with them quite a few years ago now. Cladding, though, I mean, you're literally talking like these little squares you put on a wall to make it hygienic, like plastic, literally cladding, hence the name. And they were they were sort of bottom of page one for pretty much everything. So getting get a decent amount of traffic, but, you know, three, four more positions up, we're talking about like doubling it, tripling mm. it, like quite exponential growth. So the marketing guy, Glenn, he came up with this concept called Vlad the clad. <laughs> and he just literally got a cartoonist and paid them, I think about 500 pounds to design this little Viking called Vlad. It was mm. so simple. I mean, you're laughing at it. It was hilarious. And actually they, cause they, they talked to their customers and, of course, they're all what we call in the UK tradies. Mm. You know, these guys who are fitting this stuff. A, anyone can fit this with a little bit of training. B, you buy the whole kit from them. Mm-hmm. So you see how they're listening to their customers going, yeah. right, they're tradies. They find this kind of banter quite funny. So Vlad recommends or Vlad's top kit. And they literally this little Viking on the side who'd start pointing at things. Bear in mind, it used to be this horrible old grey website and you're just buying squares of hygienic wall cladding, yeah. Really dry and boring. Well, yeah. not dry. They can be moist, these panels. But the whole point being that it was really, really boring, but they bought the thing to life. Mm. And suddenly things like their bounce rate dropped. So the amount of people landing on the site and not bouncing off, the bounce rate got better, which is a ranking factor. So their SEO rankings went up. More traffic started coming in. People were converting more. And then they started live chat, talk to Vlad cool super simple but now they've got live chat so lots of people say like oh yeah when I added live chat to my site it was revolutionary but you see the way they've done it with a personality and a proper marketing campaign behind it as opposed to just yeah talk to us yeah. Which is really why we ask Vlad a question and Vlad would try and find the most relevant FAQ for you. And they also made a thing of every single question that was asked that was relevant, they would write an FAQ and add it to the site and put, you know, Joe blogs who asked the question on this date. Mm. So they were actually starting to then feature their customers on the website and that kind of thing. And then they went out and met some customers, did some videos of them and tutorials of, yeah, yeah I used to be an electrician, but now I fit this. I make way more money. It's really simple. They give me the kit. I just literally put the measurement in of how mm. big the wall is. And what kind of cladding I want. And it, the, the website gives me the whole kit. Mm. So this now became really. Inf- and then there were actually videos about like changing careers and whatnot. But you see how it was all related to cladding. The word cladding was all over the place. So who's number one for cladding? These guys were smashing it. And they were a tiny, tiny outfit compared to some of the big players as we're talking about competing against Amazon and whoever yeah, else.
1: I think you find when you start doing that stuff, and I think Em <laughs> spoke about it on her podcast last week, and it's that EAT, that expertise, authoritiveness and trust. Mm. And when you start doing all of these things, what you find is other websites and uh, you know other entities i guess are talking about you so whether it's on socials oh have you seen this website this is really funny especially if it sort of speaks to your niche Mm. um you're going to find that more people are speaking about you that in turn will drive your domain authority and as you say yeah your rankings are going to start to go up and that's it's exactly what you know google is looking for from an seo perspective it does branch out more than just on page it is how you are growing your digital footprint in general
0: mm, cool let's let's jump back to off-site as well we took we kind of got dragged straight back to blog content <laughs> and stuff and there are other things i think are important to this so with off-site then we've mentioned influencers bloggers people mm. that can create content I guess the first question really is what's a good way to start engaging with, I guess, why a blogger first? And what's a good way to start engaging with those guys?
1: So I get the main reason why you'd reach out to a blogger is usually that they have their own audience already. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to tap into their audience. So we want to make sure that that blogger has actually got a certain amount of views, a certain amount of like clicks per month, and that those people that are viewing their page or clicking on them are potential audience to us. So the process of sort of reaching out to them would be go and have a look at what they're offering to find them. You know, you can literally search for whatever it is you're selling, followed by blog or blogger or that sort of thing. There are SEO tools out there that will scrape the internet for email addresses or for websites, but you can do it in a manual way if you don't want to uh, sort of sign up to anything. Once you have a sort of a list of bloggers based, you know, I really want to target these guys, just reach out to them with a friendly email just to say, hi, we are X brand. We're sort of doing a very similar thing to you do you have a process for sharing content you know we'd love to get some content on your website share a link back that sort of thing and just get some conversation going essentially it's networking in business you would go for lunch or go and play golf with this person to try and get their business we're doing it over email and that's sort of highly acceptable nowadays in the digital age that that is just sort of how business works and they're expecting it they probably do get quite a few emails per month regarding that sort of thing and do bear in mind that some bloggers will want sort of a fee potentially depending on how big their yeah.
0: following is or how big
1: the website and This is a job
0: of... to them as well I think it's, Absolutely, only, yeah. it's not stupid money it's, yeah, it's exactly. fair enough for them to ask
1: Yeah I mean some of our brands have paid sort of upwards of about £200 per blog but that's not saying that some brands have a much larger budget to pay for this kind of stuff because mm. they understand the importance of getting their name out there onto other websites yeah. other
0: than theirs. I think as well when you work with a blogger, there's, there's kind of two ways the content can be created and owned as well. One way is that you can create it as what's called a guest post. Yeah. So we might write an amazing buying guide about something. We'll tweak it a little bit into more of a here's a blog post for your audience, and they'll say, yeah, look, give us a hundred pounds just for my time. I'll, I'll put it up, set all the links up, set it live, and email my audience and tell yeah. them what's going on. And that's a really, I think it's a really nice, simple easy simple transaction yeah. and a lot of SEO clients get to a point where we have a network of 50 to 100 of those guys that almost every news post now we're pinging out to them mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we're paying all of them 100 pounds each and it's 100 dollars each and it's that times 100 to so get yeah. very expensive but you can build those relationships where it's just like look we've written a blog post feel free to um, quote us to post the whole thing link back to us do whatever you want and now we're giving them content mm-hmm. the flip side though is the blogger or influencer whether it not just blogs but they could create the content yeah but also, I would highly recommend, and we, we spoke about this a few months ago in our influencer series. But make sure you put something in the contract to so say that we own the content, because we're paying you to create it. Yeah. Which now means you can use the content on your own website.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what what tends to happen with that scenario is that you'll, you'll send them a product perhaps to review. That's a really good way to get them to actually write something about it. Mm-hmm. A simple sort of cash exchange. You want them to give an honest opinion, and if they haven't actually been able to get an experience with your brand then what are they reviewing you want to make sure that they actually have an understanding of what it is mm. you're trying to do and get them to relate to you as well essentially they are in your industry and there's a very high chance that they will enjoy your product or like your product so let's try and push for that when we try to make that exchange with them
0: yeah nice nice so look, last topic then rob let's come into land this is one of the hardest things i think to talk about with seo mm. because it's the least quantifiable thing there might not be Mm. and that is design so web design how your store looks the branding the look and feel of it yeah and i guess one of the challenges is you can't put it necessarily through like a sem rush auditing tool and it goes hey just change the green to red and do that there are some tools that claim to do that Mm -hmm. never really found one that's very good yeah so when it comes to design and seo like first of all like what is the relationship like what should people be thinking about and looking for
1: I'm going to revert back to earlier when I was talking about bricks and mortar shops and like that was sort of mm-hmm. how it all started. So back then you had a shop window and that was sort of how you got across what you were selling and sort of the, the feel, the color schemes and things like that. Now we have a landing page. So whether that's your home page or, or a collection page. Mm. So this might be the first thing that a user sees of your brand. This is yep. the first time they're introduced to you. So we need to make an impression. Mm-hmm. We also need to get across what we're trying to do and we want to try and get across what we want the customer to do as well, which is super important. So I think when we're designing a landing page, we've got these things in the back of our minds. We want to, one, make sure that we're not overcomplicating what they are there to do. So if they're obviously yeah. they're there to shop, if they're going to land on a collections page, we want to get them into that journey pretty quickly. When we're thinking about the design, now this is such a super difficult thing because a lot of people have different opinions on what looks good and, and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. My key bit of advice, which might not be available to all of you listening today, is seek help from a professional Mm. go and find somebody that focuses on either cro or a design and ask them to audit you know your core pages so that would probably be the home page a collections page and and a pdp when they come back with that information you don't have to obviously go with that as as gospel but it gives you a real good insight into a a professional's opinion and I think you can, while this is going on or prior to that, actually do it for yourself. Take a step back and look at the website as if you were discovering it for the first time. Is it obvious mm-hmm. what you are selling? So when you, if you were to land on the homepage, is it clear what it is that you're sort of trying to sell? Is it easy to get to what you're trying to get to? So think about filters and sort by. Really try and challenge your website a little bit and make sure that that journey is easy for a customer to follow. Then when we're looking at things like shapes and colours and designs and things like that, that's when really getting a professional's input is, is ideal. Yeah. However, you can go and look at competitors and try and see what they're doing and how that differs from you. Are they using lifestyle shots in their images? Are they using just a white background? You know, How big is their font? Have they got H1s on, on the top of their collection pages? A lot of bigger brands tend to avoid using too much text on the page. They want to dive straight in with the visuals, which can be good from a user perspective, but from an SEO perspective, We need to have some text on that page. We need to have some header tags. We need to have some extra information, perhaps about sort of returns policies or sort of buying guides, as we spoke Mm. about earlier. So all of these things feed into the flow and to get that flow right can be quite difficult. So that's why we suggest
0: looking for help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if anyone's sitting there going, right, Rob, what was that CRO thing? Conversion rate optimization. sorry, yeah. Um, It's interesting though, because certainly certainly from a PPC perspective, we do it a lot on SEO as well, but PPC especially is just like pound for pound or dollar for dollar. You're paying money to Google, you've got to get that return. Mm -hmm. So we started doing more and more what we would call CRO audits, where we're just looking at client sites and saying, Try adding this to your site mm-hmm. and see if that changes conversion. And 99% of the time, the first thing we look at is the basket, yep. is the cart. And we go, when you add a product to cart, and bear in mind, there's an element of let's get more people doing that, which is another step. But when people add to cart, so often it just then goes, you have one item in your cart. Yeah. Big blank white space underneath if you're on mobile. If you're on a desktop, that comes up on the, generally the right-hand side. And the left-hand side of the screen is just gray because it's grayed out whatever product page you're on yeah. when you add it to cart. The left hand side could say people who bought this also bought this stuff, which is a classic Amazon exercise, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. You get like, I mean, statistically speaking, if you get one in four people adding a second product, those people are now doubling their basket value on, on average. You've got two products instead of one, you know, using very crude maths, mm-hmm. but that's 25% more products being sold or 20%. If you think there's four products being sold, there's now five, mm-hmm. 20% uplift. Like yeah. most of us would rip your arm off for that. Absolutely. So I think there's lots of good exercises you can look at like that. And again, What we're trying to do from an SEO point of view is is some of the actual statistics, which you, as I said earlier, it's hard to monitor design, but you can monitor the stats. Mm -hmm. So you can go, now we've got more people adding to cart or on average, we used to have have like 1.1 products added to cart per person. Now we've got 1.6. Okay, so that's like literally 0.5 more products added to cart per visit. Which is a real game changer. And
1: that's become even easier to monitor. I I must say, it's probably one of the only features that I enjoy about GA4 since they've Mm. done the move is that the new exploration area within the reports area is you can now visualize how many users have landed on a product, added it to cart and then actually checked out. Because what tends to happen is it, it was overlooked a lot previous, you know, during the universal analytics days, people weren't looking at the the differences in mm. how many products have been added to cart versus how many have actually converted. So you can actually see when you're potentially A-B testing some, some things with the shopping cart, mm. has this actually improved our ratio of people that add to cart that then convert, or has it decreased? And testing is a vital part of this, yeah, finding yeah. out what works. So do give it time and, you know, give yourself a sort of a ring-fenced area. Let's just try it on a few areas, mm. a couple of areas that we know, you know, getting some good views, but not potentially converting.
0: And you touched on A-B testing there. That is the most important part, I think, of all of this. Mm. A- an A-B test is where you essentially send a percentage of people to version A and a percentage of people to version B. So say you like something we did for a client recently is they've only got 250 Trustpilot reviews and in their top top header of their website it's got three USPs one of them is we're rated excellent on Trustpilot but it used to say 250 Trustpilot reviews mm. and we thought 250 doesn't sound like a lot and actually we, we have more like four or five times as many orders as that a month so we changed it just to say rated excellent on Trustpilot so what we could have done with, the, we didn't with that particular one but what we could have done with an A-B test is 50% of people could see version A which mm-hmm. is where it says 250 Trustpilot reviews and 50% of people see version B which then says rated excellent on Trustpilot and the AB software itself where you made the change in it then directs people kind of left or right and they wouldn't know which one they wouldn't know it's even going on they would just see a version that software would report back what your conversion and average order value and and revenue was from each of those things so as Rob says you've got to leave it running long enough to test it yeah but again, what we're trying to do is, is lower things like bounce rate and stuff, which is a massive factor for SEO. Mm-hmm. There's also an element of if we didn't even increase the SEO traffic or rankings at all, let's get more blood out of the stone, as they say. Let's yeah. get more revenue from the customers that are coming on the website.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it. it is a big part of SEO because obviously the, the more people that are purchasing and converting is going to have a, a corresponding effect on the rest of our, our website. But something like A-B testing is the one that is going to show us okay, this this idea didn't work or this idea did work. So that, yeah, big part of
0: CRO. Nice, nice. Well, Rob, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great to chat about SEO. Thank you very much for having me. And for everybody listening at home, as I said earlier, right at the start of today's episode, um, we're offering a free SEO health check. So spec.digital is our main agency site. winnowishopify.com is the podcast site. Just go on either of those, fill out any form and just say, I would like a free SEO health check, please. And here's my website. We'll get something back to you guys. But thanks so much for tuning in today. New series starting next week. So stay tuned. We've We've actually got about three options at the moment, so we're going to work out what we're going to talk about before next week, of course. Make sure you tune in next week if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.